Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Um, here's the other thing we want to do this morning. We want to start a new series here at the Vineyard. Uh, and we're going to be looking in one chapter for the rest of the month. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, that'd be awesome. And then I just want to tell you what we're going to do this month. But more than that, I want to tell you what we're going to do for the next quarter, okay? So, uh, by the way, my name is Adam. I'm the pastor here at the Vineyard, if you're new. Uh, here's what I want you to know in terms of what we're going to be doing for the next quarter at the Vineyard. For the next three months, we're really going to be digging into our roots here at the Vineyard. We're going to be looking at, uh, in all kinds of ways, where, where, did this, where did this church come from? Uh, what are we doing now? And then, and then what are we going to be doing for the foreseeable future? And by way of doing that, part of what we want to do is this month, we want to talk simply about what is the kingdom of heaven. We want to talk about what is the kingdom of heaven and how can we enter into it. And then in February, part of what we want to do is we want to uh, talk a little bit about some of our core tenets, some of our main vineyard values. Uh, so here's some of the things we want to talk about in February. We want to talk about generosity. We want to talk about generosity with our money. We also want to talk about generosity with our lives, like letting ourselves be generous with who we are, with what we know, being servants, like actually like being people who give and train and and who make ways and make places for other people. Uh, the other thing we want to do in February is this. We're going to have a Sunday where we specifically talk about where did this church come from? Like, who did it? Who are the families that made this happen? How did it happen? Uh, where did it come from? What's the story of this church? Uh, there's also going to be a Sunday where, in February where we talk about, like, what are we doing now? And then what do we want to do in the future? And at the end of February, we're going to receive our Big Give offering. Uh, that's a special offering we do every year. It's very important. It's a very big deal to us. Uh, of course, we receive tithes and offerings every single Sunday. That's what makes this thing happen. But beyond that, every single year, we receive one big, uh, one big offering, and it goes to some special purpose here at the church. We didn't do that last year because COVID ruined everything, right? We're going to do that this year. We have some things that we feel like God is saying, like, these are the next little steps for us. And um, I'm very excited about that, and we're going to be receiving that at the end of February. So just newsflash already. And then in March, what we're gonna talk about is, uh, we're gonna talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna talk about equipping the saints. How do we become like Holy Spirit people who do the things that Jesus does? That's what we're gonna talk about. And by the way, that is a core, like foundational thing here at the Vineyard. The reason that the Vineyard is what it is and how it is and why it is, is because we've always wanted to be Holy Spirit people. Like this thing existed because some people said, you know what, we want to be Holy Spirit people and that's why we're here. So that's what we're going to be doing this, this first quarter. It's all about our roots. So at the beginning here, we're going to talk about the message of the kingdom. And, and here's why. Uh, Emily and I were talking the other day. Emily, my number one preaching uh, companion. Emily and I were talking the other day and we were realizing how often in the last year people have asked us, why y'all talk about the kingdom of heaven so much at the vineyard? 
Why, like, why is that? Yeah, that's just, it's always in your, in your vernacular. What, like, why? And then what is it, you know? And, and when we start talking about like why or what is it, um, a couple of things are sort of like highlighted to me in that. Uh, number one, uh, in the last two years, just the, the makeup and the mixture of our church has profoundly changed. A lot of y'all are new, right? And so these questions naturally pop up. So we will speak to them. Uh, the second thing that, um, that, that sort of is underneath that sort of question is, is this. Uh, a lot of times when people are asking the question of, you know, what is the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God and why do you guys talk about it so much at the vineyard? Sometimes people are asking that because um, maybe they just didn't have a church background, right? Like you're just going like, man, we're going to do this church thing. You know, we're trying to get our life together or something and, and we want to we wanna follow God and we want to raise our kids in a church and we want our kids to have faith. This is pretty normal, but so we've just never really heard about this, this kingdom thing. It's new language for me. Or more commonly than that, most people here in Campbellsville have grown up with some kind of like church awareness. You know, you, maybe your grandma took you to church or your parents did. And, and maybe you heard the phrase kingdom of God, but it was like peripheral, right? It was something that was occasionally mentioned, but it wasn't central. And, and you've come here and we talk about it all the time. And you're like, well, why do y'all talk about it? But like when I was growing up, we really didn't talk about it that much. It was like, it was kind of like, sometimes we'd read it in the Bible or maybe somebody would say something about the kingdom, but like it wasn't central. Why is it central here? And so we really want to spend this first month in January going, well, here's why. And the reason why is it's because it's the thing that Jesus talked about most. And, and, and I want to say a couple things about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God right up front. Uh, we talk about it because Jesus does. And then, then secondarily, Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven in two specific ways. Uh, number one, he tells stories about the kingdom. But then number two, Jesus will oftentimes talk about the kingdom. And I'm using air quotes here for people who are listening to the podcast. Jesus will talk about the kingdom by the things that he does. So Jesus will A, tell stories that demonstrate the kingdom. And then other times Jesus will do things that tell the story of the kingdom. And by do things, I mean, he will heal the sick. He kicks demons out of people who are oppressed and tormented. Uh, Jesus uh, feeds people who are hungry. Uh, Jesus does all of these things. And these actions of Jesus are actually ways of demonstrating or telling the story of the kingdom. But even more than he does that, he, he actually just tells stories about what the kingdom of, is, the kingdom of heaven is. So uh, without diminishing the actions of Jesus, we wanna talk about the stories of Jesus because later in the year, we're gonna, we're gonna look at the actions of Jesus because this is just what he does. So uh, right up front, we talk about it because that's what Jesus was all about. And one of the things you're gonna discover as we go along and look at these stories is that maybe some of our assumptions about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, uh, especially if you didn't grow up in the vineyard, maybe some of them are just like surprising, you know? Back to that, that, that scenario where maybe you grew up in church and the kingdom was peripheral. Like some of us, when we hear kingdom of heaven, we just think, oh, heaven, like heaven when you die. And one of the things you're gonna find out this month is that's not what Jesus was talking about, actually kind of at all. And that, that will be kind of like a, wait, what a minute, what? What's happening here? 
And so we want to really dig into this idea. What is the kingdom of God? And we're gonna be looking at the stories that Jesus tells. And the wonderful thing about Matthew chapter 13 is it's just one story after another. Jesus telling stories. Uh, I wanna say a few things about stories and then we'll read the text. Um, it's interesting to me that Jesus does so much te teaching about the kingdom in story form. Um, it's interesting to me because uh, Jesus was not an idiot and he could have done a lot of other things. So Jesus didn't do much lecturing. Uh, he didn't draw any charts that we know of. Uh, there is one moment in John where he draws a line in the sand, but that's not a chart. Uh, Jesus didn't write a book. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Um, yeah, wait a minute. Yeah. Isn't it wild? Jesus didn't write a book. Uh, as my friend John Mark McMillan likes to say, uh, when you are the word of God, you don't have to write anything. You know? Uh, but it's interesting. He could have lectured, could have drawn charts, uh, could have written books. Uh, he, he could have done a 10-week master class. That seems to be popular these days. Uh, he could have made a model. But, but instead, what Jesus did is he would often demonstrate, but even more than that, he would oftentimes... Uh, he'd tell stories. So uh, let's, let's think about stories here for a minute. Uh, somebody in the room who's real smart, maybe an English major. Uh, what, what are the components of a story? Justy? <laughs> <laughs> Exposition, rising action, climax, falling action, All of those. <laughs> what about characters? Justy, can we go simpler than that? <laughs> Setting, plot, characters, <laughs> rising action, climax. What else did you say? Falling action. Falling action. Yeah, those are, those are the elements of a story and those are, those are the basic components, right? Themes, conflict. These are all parts of the story. And here's why that's important. Uh, Jesus is, he's telling stories as a way of communicating the kingdom and he's doing so, and here's why I think he does this. Because the kingdom of heaven is a story. The kingdom of God is a story. And if Jesus could have done these other things, if he could have lectured, if he could have drawn charts, if he could have written a book, but he didn't, and instead he mostly told stories as parables, he's saying the kingdom of God is a story. And part of what he's doing is he's saying this thing is playing out. If the guy who could have done it anyway does it this one particular way, it means that it's something that is happening. Jesus would tell a parable. And in telling a parable, to the people, like imagine, like we're all in this room and imagine Jesus is up here, it's not me. And he's telling this story and it's about like all of these things, you know? It's about like what we're gonna see today. It's about like a farmer who sows seed and he's telling about soils and there's all these different kinds of soil and all this different kind of ground, but there's the same seed. Uh, part of what Jesus is doing by telling stories like this is he's breaking the fourth wall, right? He's actually saying, everybody who's listening right now, you're a part of this story. You're, you're, you're a player in this. He's essentially saying, everybody is a part. You guys know, uh, y'all remember on The Office when the characters would look into the camera and, and say something, you know? Yeah, that's, that's part of what I want you to have in your mind every time we read one of these parables of Jesus. It's Jesus looking into the camera and he's, and he's telling us some stuff and behind him, I want you to imagine, you know, it's Toby back there or something, you know? Yeah. 
it's, it's Jesus's way of saying, hey, if you're listening to me, you're in this. You're, you're a part of this. Uh, here's another thing stories do. Uh, they, they reveal and they also conceal. Uh, how many of you have ever read a book and you thought, I loved that book. I have no idea what it was about. Anybody ever have that? Like, I just, like, the language was great, or I love this character, and I'm like, I literally have no idea what it's about. No one. That happens to me all the time. There have been lots of books I had to read, like, two or three times before it actually really, like, got me, you know? Uh, that, that's pretty normal. And why is that? Because there's something about stories that can in one way illuminate, but then in another way can conceal. That's, that's part of what stories do. Um, how many of you ever watched some war movies growing up? Anybody here watch war movies growing up? Like if you, I'm, I'm 43, so if you're, if you're my age, here are the movies you watched when, when you were growing up. You watched Rambo, all of them. Especially that one where he comes out of the mud, you know? What a great cinematic moment. You watch Rambo, you watch um, Commando. You guys remember the Commando movies with Arnold, you know? And you watch Predator. These are the movies, if you're a if you were a guy and you're my age, you watch these movies. You watch Rambo, you watch Commando, you watch Predator, uh, you watched Alien. And then, then you get older, and then, and then how many of you ever watched the, the movie Thin Red Line? Anybody, do, if you haven't watched The Thin Red Line, here's what I recommend you do. Watch all the Rambos and then watch The Thin Red Line. <laughs> here's why I'm telling that story. Because if you watch Rambo, Commando, and if you watch Predator, and then you turn on the thin red line, what do you think about the thin red line initially? You think, oh, great, it's a war movie. And then you watch it and you go, this is not a war movie. In fact, what is the thin red line? It's an anti-war movie. And, and you don't catch it at the beginning, right? Like, especially if you're conditioned by watching like Arnold like throw people off bridges or something. You think, oh, this is, this is gonna be great. There's gonna be tanks and guns and somebody will be a hero. And then you find out, no, The Thin Red Line is not a war movie. It's an anti-war movie. So there's this way in which stories can like reveal, but they can also conceal. And that's, um, that's exactly what Jesus said this morning in the text. Uh, did you guys hear the words that Eva read to us this morning? That's the beginning of the passage. Jesus tells this story about like, seeds and soil. And, he, and, and the disciples come to him, and they're like, hey, what's this about? And he goes, well, here's what it's about. But by the way, I only tell parables and I, and I tell them so that people will look, but they really won't see. And, and you might be thinking, wait a minute, doesn't Jesus want people to see? Uh, I tell stories so that they'll hear, but they won't, they won't listen, you know? And you might be thinking, wait, does it want, doesn't Jesus want people to understand? But here's what I want you to understand at this point. Uh, at this point in the story, there's all kinds of folks who are around Jesus, all kinds of people. Uh, by this time in Matthew chapter 13, he's pretty famous. He's doing stuff. He's healing the sick. Uh, he's, uh, he's cleansing lepers and people are coming to him for healing. Imagine living in the first century and there's no like doctors as we know it around. Uh, there's not medicine as we would know it around. And imagine there's some Jewish rabbi walks around. If he touches you, you're healed. Like you'd go find him, wouldn't you? If your body would allow you. Imagine, imagine in a place where food scarcity is just something everyone thinks about all the time. You're, you, you, in the back of your mind, you're always thinking, I wonder where my next meal's coming from. And imagine you hear about a Jewish rabbi who can take a little bit of food and multiply it for thousands of people. Or, or imagine 
Imagine that, imagine that, that you're really sick of the Romans running your home country and you think this, this guy Jesus might be a Messiah. And by the way, Messiah in the first century Jewish context meant military leader who would kill everyone and give us our land back. And imagine Jesus was a Messiah, but imagine he's not the one you think he is, right? But you would think he's the other, right? He's like saying messianic stuff. There's all these people who are around Jesus. Not only that, but if you read Matthew chapter 12, one of the things you see is that there's Jewish leaders around Jesus and they don't like him. They wanna kill him. So here's what you got around Jesus in a crowd. People who wanna be healed. You got people who are looking for food. You got people who are hoping he's a military leader who will kill Romans, kick butt, take names. And you got people who wanna kill Jesus around him. And, and, and here's, and also you got one more group of people around Jesus. Uh, his family comes to him right before Matthew chapter 13. And they're like, hey, we wanna have a word with you. And Jesus is like, I ain't talking to you. And here's, here's why Jesus' family has come to see him. They think he's nuts. They want him to settle down a little bit. Like, settle down, Jesus. So in everything that Jesus is doing, this first story that Jesus tells about soil, he's sort of acknowledging his own predicament. Uh, the seed has been sown and he's got quite a crowd, but everyone, everyone who's listening to him is not really interested in his ultimate project. And uh, people are conflicted. And so Jesus is playing chess. He's revealing who he really is, and he's concealing what he's up to in order to draw out people for the long haul. Not everybody's there for the long haul. I don't know if you're aware of that. Uh, some people are all about God's kingdom when it's healing and victory, but they're less about it when it's losing and dying. And by the way, God's kingdom is mostly, ultimately about losing and dying, right? And so Jesus is framing these stories for us. Uh, some folks are interested in the kingdom of heaven, uh, when it's a new thought or some new perspective, but they become less interested when another new thought comes along. Some people are just ch like chasing new thoughts, right? And here's what Jesus is up to. He says, there's four different kinds of soil and he's got a different kind of project. So here's what I wanna do this morning. I wanna read the second half of the passage and then I just wanna make a couple of very quick observations about it with respect to the kingdom. So Reese, can we put it up? Starting in verse 18, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom. They don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as it been planted. Four soils, hard, rocky, thorny, good. All of these are responses to the work of Jesus. And I just want you to imagine that when Jesus is telling this first story, that he's got this crowd and in the crowd, there is hard, thorny, rocky, and good soil, right? 
There's all kinds of people, like even this morning, there's some of us, right? There are all kinds of responses to the work of Jesus, uh, which means there's all kinds of responses to the kingdom of heaven. But that's not the first thing I want you to take in. The first has to be this. This is ultimately, this is ultimately a parable about the nature of God. That's the first thing I want you to take in deeply. Like for those who, who have questions or who want to know, what is this kingdom thing that we talk about here? What is this kingdom story that we're so enamored with at the vineyard? Well, this kingdom story is about a God who is liberal with seed. It's, this is a story that's ultimately about the nature and the heart of God. God will, what Jesus is saying in this story is that God will sow good seed on hard soil, on rocky soil, on thorny soil, and on good soil. Like God will throw, will throw good seed everywhere. He will throw good seed everywhere. He wants it to spring up. He scatters it everywhere. God is so kind and generous that he borders on insane and he will scatter the kingdom literally everywhere. This is, the, this is first and foremost a parable about the nature and the heart of God. Uh, God is generous. That'd be the first thing we would say about God and his kingdom. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is, 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 it exists under the care and the husbandry of a generous and kind God. That'd be the first thing I want everybody in the room to know. Like no matter what you grew up believing or knowing or not knowing about God, the thing you need to know uh, is that God is kind and generous. Like if we grew up in a, in a religious context where God was mostly hard, demanding, demeaning, critical, and, and like, like not very happy, I mean, you just gotta know that's not the story that Jesus tells. Uh, God will, sc- will sow good seed on all kinds of soil and he's doing it because he's kind, he's liberal, he's generous. Uh, it, one of the things I hear in that is God's confident. God's kind. God's kind. Um, what kind of God knowingly scatters precious seed on places it's unlikely to produce a crop? That's a good question. But, but let me ask you another question. How many of you have ever seen, how many of you have ever seen sprigs of grass sprout up in cracks of concrete? possible. It's possible, right? How how many of you have ever had tomatoes, like you didn't even plant them in your landscaping and they somehow like volunteer came up, like you planted them like, like 187 feet away in your garden. And then somehow tomatoes came up beside your air conditioner, (laughs) right? Like what kind of God scatters good seed on, on maybe not the best ground? I mean, he's a confident God. He's a kind God. He's a generous God. He's, he's, he's liberal. He's, he's not clinch-fisted. Some of us are like, are you saying God's a Democrat? No, I'm saying God is, <laughs> I'm seeing the faces go, what? Yeah, no, God is, he is liberal with the seed. He's just, he just scatters it everywhere. And, and, and listen, part of the reason that he does that is, is that God knows that unlikely things can happen in unlikely places. And everyone deserves to have the kingdom come to them. That's worth noting. Uh, This is what it also means. No one earns the kingdom. Here's the other thing it means. We don't bring the kingdom. I just want to say this as clearly as I can because we're a charismatic leaning church. We don't bring the kingdom. You'll hear that in charismatic circles. It's 100% not true. We do not bring the kingdom. 
God has sown the kingdom and he's sown it on all the soils. By the way, if there's hard soil, thorny soil, rocky soil and good soil, is there any other soil? The answer is no, that's all the soils. That's all the soils. God has sown the kingdom. And here's part of what that means. We don't bring the kingdom. We don't make it happen. Instead, what do we do? We receive it and we discover it. And here's what we ultimately find. We find ourselves included. Ultimately, that's what this story is about. Like we find ourselves included. The seed has been sown on rocky, hard, thorny, and good soil. Any soil left? No, God has sown the seed everywhere, already everywhere. All we do is look for it. All we do is witness to it. Um, one of the questions that pastors get all the time is, is this. Uh, if, if, you, if you even lead a home group, you don't even have to pastor a church. You, like if you lead a home group for four weeks at the vineyard, there's like a 95% chance that somebody in high school is gonna ask you, what about people who live in Sub-Saharan Africa and they never hear anyone preach to them. Anybody ever had that question? What, what about that? You know, what about people who live in the rainforest and, and, and they, 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 they carve out canoes? You know, what about those? What about Inuit Indians? What about, what about people who, what about people who live in like in China, in parts of China that maybe no one has ever gone, right? Like just, like their family. Well, here's what I can tell you. Jesus says it, that God has sown the seed on all the soils. Well, we don't bring it. Uh, we don't earn it. We discover it. It's literally already there. And by the way, this is going to be, this is, this, some of us are like, man, I don't know about this. Bro, it's in every one of the messages that Jesus is going to tell, is going to tell after this in in Matthew chapter 13, the kingdom has already been sown. It has already been sown. So what did disciples of Jesus do? We discover it, we witness to it, we point to it, and we find ourselves included. That's what we do. This is why it's good news. Uh, like we don't, we don't have to make a kingdom thing happen in some community. Think of like the worst neighborhood uh, in Campbellsville or the worst neighborhood in America or cities that are just like perpetually like not thriving, whatever that means. Uh, places where it feels God forsaken. Again, on the podcast, I'm using air quotes here. Places that seem God forsaken. Uh, here's the good news. The kingdom is already there. It's already at work. It has never not been there. There's not a place in the world that the kingdom of heaven has not already been. So what do we do? We witness to it. We point to it. We discover it and we find ourselves included. Rocky, hard, thorny, and good. This is the good news. We point to it. This is the opening parable and it's, it's deeply about the nature of God. And it's also about the world. We hear a lot about a broken and ruined world. And let me just say, the world is deeply compromised, deeply, deeply compromised. But make no mistake, it's a world already filled with the seed of the kingdom. Think about the craziest situation, not even just a place. Think about the craziest situation. Think about the weirdest place or think about the most, the most broken family situation. Here's what I want you to know. The seed of the kingdom is already there. The, the, the possibilities of God's work already there. Uh, here's the other thing I would like to say at this point. Conquest is not a kingdom idea. 
Conquest is not a kingdom idea. Discovery is. That was actually pretty great. <laughs> I, listen, I, if you don't take anything else from me this morning, I want you to take this. Conquest is not a kingdom idea. Discovery is. And I want you to, I want you to plant that into your heart and let it grow for the next couple years. Let that grow. Let that idea just get way deep down in your heart because it will make you a witness in the days ahead. Uh, second thing I want to say here about this parable is this. God's not dumb. God's not dumb. Um, this means that whatever else is happening with all these kinds of sowing, seeds on all kinds of soil, uh, God's generosity is not a result of his stupidity. You know, some of us are like, well, if God is wise, why is he throwing, why is he throwing good seed on unproductive soil? And I just, like the first thing we have to understand here is like God is wise, he is not dumb. And so if God is throwing good seed on what seems like unproductive soil, it's not a result of his stupidity. His generosity is not connected to stupidity. It might be the wisdom of God to throw good seed on what seems like unproductive soil. It's not that God needs proper training or, or as the old saying goes, it's not that God has more dollars than cents. Instead, it reveals, I think, three things. Number one, we've already said it, God is supremely generous. Remove every other picture from your mind. Uh, number two, here's what it means. God is hopeful. God is hopeful. Seeds can take root in unlikely places. Can I tell you something? Like, I know Jesus tells this story. He's like, you know, the first place the seed falls is the hard footpath and, you know, the evil one comes and snatches it away. Can I, can I just tell you some, something? After doing ministry for over two decades, here's something I can tell you. I have seen, I've seen the kingdom seed fall in hard places and take root. It, it actually can happen. Like I've seen it come to calloused and hard people and there's a crack in the hardness somewhere. Like if you, let, if you let ground get hard enough, it'll crack. And if it cracks, the seed can go in. Like, I, like I've seen this happen in my own life, right? Right, like, like it, part of what this parable means, God is generous. The second thing it means is God is hopeful. The seed can take root in unlikely places. And here's the third thing it means. And this is, this is where, where you and I come in. It means that soil can be amended. Soils can be amended. This is something I learned when I worked at the landscape company for many years. I started working at a landscape company when I was 14 years old. And I worked there till I was like 22 or 23. And uh, one of the things I learned after being at the garden center and working at the landscape company is that all soils can be changed. Rocky soils, you can, can I tell you something about rocky soil? You can pick all the rocks out. It ain't easy, it ain't quick. You can get the rocks out. I've done it. <laughs> I literally had to do it with my hands. You, you can rake rocky soil and get the rocks out. It can be done. Hard soils, hard clay, Kentucky soils. How many of you have yards that are like hard red Kentucky clay? You can change it. You throw cow manure on red clay and you get yourself a compost pile and you let some mulch like decompose, get yourself some leaves, 
throw, throw your table scraps onto it and you do that for a while, go get, go get some chicken manure from John McClain and you throw it on red clay and, and, and first it'll smell terrible, but then you let, you let a little time happen and the composition of hard red clay will soften. Soils can be amended. Clay soils can be made loose and rich. Rocky soils can be picked clean. Things can change. And I believe that Jesus is telling this story here. Um, and I believe there's, there's a couple things he's doing. The, the first thing I think he's doing is this. I think Jesus is telling a story. And on one level, it's descriptive. Uh, it's telling us something about human nature and our response to the seed of the kingdom. Uh, some people are hardened by life. Uh, Jesus says that the hard soil is a footpath. Did you notice that? What, what is the image that Jesus is using here? You walk, how many of you ever walk in a, you, you know, you got a, how many of you have like, an, like a dog that runs the same path in your yard? Or you, if, you, if you walk a trail and you walk it, you walk it, you walk it, you walk it, and that trail gets, it gets hard, doesn't it? Yeah. It's telling us something about human nature. Some people are hardened by life. Uh, part of what Jesus is saying by using the footpath image is this. Uh, some people are hardened because they've been walked on and, and, and they've become impervious. It, they've become impervious, you know? Like life has beat people up or maybe, maybe people have walked on them. They've been trampled. Uh, some, some folks are shallow soil. They're rocky. Uh, they get excited, but it doesn't last. In fact, in fact, the shallowness actually causes the seed of the kingdom to spring up real quick because the soil heats up real quick and like, boom, you know? Some, some people just kind of shallow. There's some, some work that's underneath the ground that just hasn't been done. There's a bunch of rocks under there and you know, they can, you can talk about Jesus and they're like, yeah, man, that's great. But there's this subterranean work that hasn't been done. Jesus is being descriptive. And, and then some, some other folks have competing loves Jesus says that the thorns are two things in particular, uh, the worries of life, but then also hoping to be rich. Uh, how many of you have ever noticed that like when, when life gets really complicated and your anxiety goes up, like when both cars break down, your mortgage is due and your heat doesn't work, sometimes your love for God goes down. <laughs> or maybe you start praying more, you know? It's like, <laughs> I haven't prayed in six months, but broke, both cars broke and I don't have any money. God help me. But, but Jesus says, you know, uh, there's other things that can come in and compete for, for love. And then there's finally good soil. So on one level, I think Jesus is telling this story and it's descriptive. He's just saying like, here's, here's the way the human heart works. And by the way, uh, I want you to notice that even though Jesus gives four different conditions of soil, four different conditions of the human heart, uh, I, I would just like to, to say here that this is, there's nothing in the story that says these are even distributions. We read this story and just assume, oh, it's 25% this and 25% that and 25% this and 25%. Jesus doesn't say that. That's not in the story anywhere. He's just saying, here's some stuff that can happen to you. Here's some stuff that may be happening to you now. But the second thing I think that Jesus is doing in this story is he's saying, you and I are invited to become good soil. All soil can be amended. The thing that unites all the unproductive soil is lack of room. Think about it. Hard, 
footpath, hardened soil. It's had all the space compacted out of it. Like, like, like really nutritious and rich soil, it's loose. It's got, there's space in there. There's like air in it, you know? And, and a hardened footpath, it's had, it's had all the space removed out of it by compaction. Um, a rocky soil, uh, the rocks make it shallow. There's, there's less room for good stuff because it's filled with unproductive stuff. And then thorns, thorns, they just represent our other loves, specifically the love of money. That's the thing that unites them all. Um, the thing that unites all of the bad soil, all of the unproductive heart is lack of room. Jesus is saying, hey, you wanna have a heart that's open to the kingdom of heaven? You gotta leave space in your heart somewhere. And there's all kinds of ways to get the space removed from your heart, but watch over your heart. Make sure that your heart stays open and roomy. That'd be the word I'd wanna give it to us this morning. Good soil is open and roomy, deep room for God. And, and I think that Jesus is telling us this parable. And on the one hand, it's descriptive, but on the, the other hand, it's, it's an invitation to become good soil. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Make room, like by all means necessary, do whatever it takes, do whatever it takes to make some room for God. Some of us in the room this morning, we might just even realize, wow, there's some places in my life right now and I'm, I'm mostly hard soil, like nothing gets in, you know? Uh, the worship band can play the best songs, it ain't getting in, you know? Glenn and Taylor and Hannah, they can sing the best harmonies, it ain't getting in, you know? And, and Jesus would, Jesus would in, invite us to recognize that about ourselves this morning. And he would invite us to move towards making room. He would invite us to do that. Like the seed of his kingdom and his work is already, it's already on your life. Like you don't even have to ask for him to work. You just have to say, God, can you give me some grace to make room? Uh, for others of us in the room, like maybe there's just some rocks in our heart, you know? And, it's, and on the top, it looks like the soil is roomy, but man, you know that underneath, subterranean, you know, like, ah, there's just not much room. It's pretty shallow. And, and I, I, think, I think rocks, because they're subterranean, I think this speaks of like, I think this speaks of past pain. Like just, just the hindrances from the past, you don't see them on the surface. And some of us in, the, in this room, you might even recognize this about yourself right now, um, that everything on the outside of your life looks real good. Like people would be like, wow, you have a beautiful home. Your kids are great. You have a marriage. You've been married for a while. Or, or maybe you're doing really well in school and people are like, you know, you're, you're smart. You're pretty good looking. You, you have some ambitious, but you, but you know that underneath, underneath what, what the surface looks like, you know that there's just like rocks and it's out competing, like the, the seed of the kingdom. And then finally this morning, some of us just have other loves. Like we just have other things that are, that are in the garden with Jesus, you know? We're like, we're, we're pretty anxious about everything and we really wanna be rich. And, and, and it, it, it chokes out the seed in the garden of the kingdom. It just chokes it out. It's just a thorn bush. And, and God would say to all of us this morning, 
uh, would you be open to making room? Would you be open to amending the soil that the seed of the kingdom could take root? It's, it's already in your life. This is the thing I, I want you to see about yourself and others. You don't even have to pray, God, would you work in my life? He's al- it is already in your life. The prayer would be, God, would you allow me to see it? And God, would you give me grace to make room for you? That's, that's the gardening work that Jesus wants to do. It's, it's never, God, would you come into my life? It's, God, could you show me? And God, would you allow me to make room? Give me grace. So today, I think God wants to do two things. I think God wants us to wake, to wake up to all the places that he's working. I just want you to know that God is working in your life. And he's working in your neighborhood and he's working at your school and in your family. Uh, he's working in sub-Saharan Africa. He's working with Inuit Indi- Indians in the northernmost parts of Canada. He is working in South America with people who carve trees and make canoes. He has literally already put himself all over the world in the most surprising ways. Uh, we just need to wake up and see, Right? So God, would you allow us to see where you're working? And then two, I, I think God wants to do this this morning. I think, God wants to, I think God wants us all to have a heart to become good soil. Yeah, to say, you know what, God, would you amend? Like if there's anything in me that keeps me from becoming a 30, 60 or 100 fold return for your kingdom, God, would you amend my soil? Would you amend my heart? Would you amend my life? I want to make room for you. Amen. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.